Welcome to the Anime Research Group, a show about the weird and wonderful mistake that is anime. I'm Ian. I'm Denny. I'm Freya. And this week we have another guest, Caitlin Murr from Anime Feminist and uh, her blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. Uh, hi, Caitlin. Hello. This is our second time having a guest on for an interview, and hopefully it'll go just as well as last time. Yes, we're very grateful that she has graced us with her presence. Yeah, it was it was funny because I remember um, a while back on Twitter, you were just saying, like, if you have a podcast, let me know and I'll, I'll come on. And I'm like, a oh, few. I've been wanting to get someone on from uh, an FM <laughs> and now I don't have to feel weird about asking. Yeah, I'm I'm a slut for podcasting. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do um, in the anime community? Sure. So I have been an anime fan for a really long time, over 20 years since I was a teenager, because I might as well age myself while I'm talking. Uh, I started off writing about anime, doing reviews for the site Anime Secrets, which now seems to be defunct, unfortunately. Uh, but the writing's been on the wall for a while anyway. So I lived in Japan for a couple of years. And uh, when I came back from Japan, I was like, okay, I need a project or else I'm going to lose my mind because <laughs> I'm just like living in the US again and I have a job that I don't care about. So I was like, oh, I'll start a feminist anime blog. And that turned into I have a heroin problem, which started as Fujoshi feminism, but people pointed out that the name was kind of problematic. And so I changed it. And then I got recruited to write for the new site that um, Amelia Cook was starting up called Anime Feminist. And it all, like, it kind of took off from there. I write about feminist topics in anime. Uh, recently, I started writing regularly for Anime News Network. And I want to pick up, like, I, on my Heroin Problem blog, I was doing a series about abuse in shoujo manga, sort of going through different series and counting how many incidents of, like, abuse red flags I found and I put it on hiatus for a while because it was taking a lot out of me to do every week because that's what ends up being a lot of manga, even if I'm mm -hmm. only doing five volumes a week. I was literally like right about to start it up, start it up again when the libraries closed. <laughs> that's unfortunate. And then everything closed. So <laughs> can imagine that being a lot of work, especially if you have to go through it individually and a certain whether each type of behavior counts into what category it should fall. And shoujo manga are rife with it. I mean, a lot of different romance manga are rife for it. It's definitely mm. not something that's unique to shoujo. Uh, I was just highlighting shoujo because it is something that I grew up reading. It's something that's very important to me. And it is something that I feel like abuse in fiction was always kind of an interest to me starting around when Twilight was really big and mm. I was never into Twilight, but I was fascinated by like all of these like anti-blogs talking about how like the relationship in it was really abusive. So I, yeah, I started up this project and it's just like, people have accused me of picking on shoujo, but it's just that I feel like young women lack a lot of pop cultural models for healthy relationships. Yeah. A lot of genres aimed at all different demographics have issues with this. But since romance is something that's so strongly sold to young women, that was something I really wanted to focus in on. Was it shoujo that got you into anime and manga then? You said you started as a teenager. Uh, so that seems a, bit, that seems a bit late for that. <laughs> so, okay, so the answer is complicated. My first 
non-TV anime was actually Ranma One Half. And the first Ranma One Half thing I ever watched was the second movie, which is just titties everywhere. So I would not say that shoujo manga was what got me into anime, but it is like what got me to stick around. It was quite interesting because I was thinking of you as being like in my generation of like anime fan. And I guess to a certain extent you are, uh, but you like partially predate me if you're if you're uh, you were watching uh, like Fushigi Yugi and stuff on VHS. Um, I got into anime around 1999, I would say. At that point, I think all I'd seen were a few episodes of Dragon Ball Z, though maybe I own the volumes I've got standing right here. I don't actually remember. So you mentioned, like, that you wanted to write about Trader Herons and the abuse problems in that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's one of our major topics. We want to talk about that uh, in a more expanded sense, as in the problems of the shoujo genre, why they, where they come from, where they really stem from, and how anime in general has a problem with its female characters and the way it treats them. Right. One of the major things that came to my mind, when you think of manga, you think of Shonen Jump, like the big one. And most of the series there are all very heavy on the male fan service with the classic harem shows such as Boku Ben, Tulavru, Rosario to Vampire, and various others. And women in those shows, they're very often objectified through to tropes such as the lucky pervert peeping uh, the bath episodes where the guys try to peep on them. And the consequences are never really treated with any weight. It's just a slap and a scream. And then it's, oh, no, it was only an accident. (laughs) We all laugh about it. And the question I have is that could we thus argue that these stories are kind of subtly devaluing the female female responses to these things and making them seem like they're no really not a big deal and normalizing that kind of behavior? Right. I think that is um, I think that is fair because Shonen Jump is actually in Japan, at least right around parody with its readership Mm -hmm. um it is almost 50 50 you know so uh there was an an article on ann a few months ago but i I don't can't keep track of time anymore (laughs) time is meaningless um but where it was a man talking about how shonen jump the way that it treated things like flick, flipping up skirts so lightly really influenced him as a child. And he made it, it made him think of it as like a harmless prank mm. um, as opposed to like something that's really violating. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I think that it could also convey the message to young women that these things aren't really a big deal, which, you know, is a problem. Like I think almost every woman I know has a story about middle school or high school or younger like having boys act in a way that's really violating without like thinking of it as a big deal Mm -hmm. so yeah I I do think that it can contribute and I don't want to like rag exclusively on Shonen Jump it is a an issue with a lot of stuff like you're (laughs) you're gonna hear me say this a lot it's like this is not a problem that's unique to this one thing um but we had um an article run on antifem a while back a really excellent one talking about how shonen series like shonen jump series since they have so many female readers they should try to treat their female characters with more respect to give them more agency to let them play a bigger part in the plot and without changing what is what is fundamentally enjoyable about these series, mm-hmm. you know, if you 
gave Suyu a greater role in My Hero Academia because this is one that really like oh really burns me because it was doing <laughs> so well for a while and then it just it totally started to totally sideline the girls yes, yes. but if you gave the girls like let the girls actually like participate in a fight in my hero academia that's not going to fundamentally change what people like about the series um but you know there are no female ed- there have never been female editors at shonen jump and a lot of people like the mentality that you should not change anything about shonen manga because girls like shonen manga just because girls like shonen manga means that they're not doing anything wrong and that they shouldn't try to change for them mm-hmm. um that mentality is so prevalent i mean when we look at the current shonen jump lineup i think i don't know if you know if there is a title with a female protagonist the last one was probably the promise in neverland but other than that there aren't really that many like there was act age Oh yeah, Sack Age. Such a good manga. Just a shame it yeah. had to be ruined by everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really like that manga. I never read it and now I guess I never will. Yeah. Just turn out to be an why do so many people have to turn out to be assholes? <laughs> Privilege. <laughs> um, <sighs> I mean, I I definitely agree with um like your standard battle manga that in these cases there there's no there's no reason why the the female characters can't just be as as cool and uh, unique as the guys. But what about um particularly like the harem genre? Is that ju- do you think that's just irredeemable, or is no. there is there a way to fix that? <laughs> um, I really liked Tenchi growing up, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna say that Tenchi is unproblematic unpro- because I've got the Blu-rays on my shelf, but I have not watched it in a very very long time but i don't think the harem genre is totally irredeemable uh just they need to treat the female characters with respect don't use just tropes have them be individuals have them have a reason for for liking this guy instead of him just being an insert self insert fantasy don't have them act like sex dolls constantly Mm-hmm. Um, rent a rent a girlfriend was a show that was I think is arguably a harem, but that show I ended up dropping it because it was enormously frustrating for me because all these girls were falling over themselves f- for this guy who, by the story's own admission, was just absolutely terrible, just the worst. I'd only seen the first few episodes, but it was just like, well, well, I I like um. I forget who the the girl in the first episode is, but like I, I like her. She seems to have her head on reasonably straight. But this this guy. But then she goes out of her way for this guy who sucks over and over, and she like he's he does awful stuff, and she forgives him over and over, and that's not like <laughs> he's not doesn't face any consequences. I feel like we have a similar show starting this season. I, I forget what. Uh... Bottom tier character, character Tomazaki. Tomazaki-kun. Yeah, 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 like that just seems like the exact same trope of the misanthropic asshole who's like, oh, I'm so edgy and stuff, but oh, we're all gonna fall for him anyway because reasons. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard from people who read the novels, it actually does not is not like that. Hmm. But I am like, I am just very terrible tired of stories about young women teaching young men how to be like people basically at least we also get the best romance manga in horimiya this season 
Oh, yes. Just the best. I love that series so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we can come back to Horror Me in a bit. <laughs> um, that'll give us plenty of time to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. This uh, this trope that what often gets called the uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl is, is one we've talked quite a bit about on this show and one that is unfortunately very prevalent. And I guess I, one of my interesting things was that we often think of like a few um, types of behavior as like being really obviously problematic. The certain kinds of fan service, this 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 particularly um, the the manic pixie girl uh, trope. But I was wondering if there were any tropes that you think are. Uh, how, how, I'm not sure how I want to phrase this. Um, You're saying that they are undervalued and that they're not as public to uh, not as prevalent in the public consciousness. Yeah, so it's like they're, they're, they're there, but they're not often perceived as being uh, particularly problematic. Well, I do, I do want to note that I try to use the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl very, very sparingly um, yeah. because it is one of those terms that got overused to the point of meaninglessness. And it kind of came to like the term Mary Sue kind of ended up coming to mean female character I don't like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl started to mean quirky female character, which isn't fair because there are like qu- like quirky weird girls in the world we in the world who it's not like totally forced in a male fantasy. I'm weird. Um, yeah, when I mean this, I mean I, I I guess the the sense in which we we should take it to mean it is um, particularly when the girl is exists solely as a vehicle for the male character to change rather than uh, their personality. Quick disclaimer, the next minute and a half or so are of much lower audio quality with a lot of interference as the audio was initially lost and then recovered from an echo on a completely separate recording track. After that, it'll be back to normal. Obviously there's stuff like bridging, but I would say that probably one that gets most under my skin is like I just talked about uh, male character sucks and a female character reaches out a hand to teach him how to be a decent person <laughs> out of the kindness of her own heart because I used to be that girl many many times tried to put effort into being kind to boys who were misogynistic or like off- socially awkward to the point that like no one to be around them sure and or like misanthropic and i'm not saying that i'm the most socially adapted person in the world uh definitely not but trying to be kind has gotten my hand bitten over and over looking at a guy and saying like hey like i know like your way of thinking is weird and twisted and i'm gonna like try to talk with talk you through it and like be kind to you and maybe like you'll learn that like girls are people and you shouldn't be an asshole and that has it has always gone through. um it has always ended in me getting my heart broken by the fact that i have tried to be like tried to be decent and i did not get decency in return yeah i mean i, I this is obviously really disappointing to hear i often I remember when I first, um, I, I mean, we, we can talk about fandom a little bit in a second, but I remember when I first uh, encountered the incel phenomenon and I was sort of reading about it and like listening to things that they said. And I was and I was just being like, there definitely would have been a point in my life, maybe like when I was like 15 years old, where if I just made a few different changes, I could have been that guy. And like reading over the stuff they say and be like, well, you want to like 
we want to help these people, but then at the same time, it's just like, well, you can't help anyone who who doesn't want to be helped. <laughs> yeah. But why do you think that trope then is still so prevalent uh, in shoujo manga, particularly? What is the appeal to it uh, to the audience? I mean, it's I. I mean, I don't think like that particular branch is especially prevalent in shoujo manga. I mean, there is a really appealing fantasy to, well, on the female side, you know, female, male, it's not all there is to it, disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Like, on the female side, there is an appeal to the fantasy of changing someone. This is well-documented. It's been around for forever. It is something that, like, it has been the subject of jokes. You know, women just want to change men, blah, blah, blah. which like th- there is an appeal to it you where you see someone and it's like oh i'm going to help them become a better person it's it's a sort of a nurturing thing well and also on the female side it's like oh well i understand i'm i'm trying to understand them i am the one who understands them and that's a special kind of relationship. On the male side, I can only surmise because I am not male. I am not a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that of having, you know, people who are awkward know they're awkward. People who are who have trouble socially know they have trouble socially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the appeal of a a girl who will forgive your mistakes, who will uh, accept you and help you become a more functional person while also being totally like willing to turn your issues into learning experiences and to forgive you constantly. Mm-hmm. I can see also see that as a really appealing fantasy. It's yeah, it's a little bit of like also just just wanting to be desired, particularly when you have um, like the harem situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed in a lot of anime is quite how gender segregated it is in general. When we watch like a sports show, for example, it'll either be like an entirely male team with a female manager or vice versa. We have a whole genre that people would call cute girls doing cute things. Shonen shows are primarily male, uh, even if not entirely. How, like, why do you think like this is why do you think our our anime aren't more mixed well i think it is an evolution of the harem genre most like in the way that you're thinking of like series with entirely female casts are generally mostly aimed at guys Mm -hmm. series with entirely male casts or mostly male casts are generally aimed at but to a less like firm extent, because like you pointed out, a lot of shonen doesn't have like a lot of prevalent female characters. I mean, and the the demographic split is fuzzy, to say the least. But it t- sort of ties into the concept of the gaze, the view as the viewer. For example, when I was reviewing After School Dice Club, which was a series that really surprised me with how like nice it was. I thought it was going to be just like a cute girls doing things, but like, no, there's actually like other people in the world. It um, has like some really interesting things to say. Uh, the group, it's not exclusive to just this group of girls and their world is just that tiny. 
Um, and so there's a couple episodes where like there's a boy that has like obvious that gets involved because he likes one of the girls. There's an episode where there's like a class Christmas party and it seems like some of the girls are like make connecting with some of the guy with like with some of the guys in their class. And uh, on my anime list, there is an absolutely enraged review from someone <laughs> called Yuri Collector, who is so pissed off. It's like the guy's trying to climb all up over the girls. It's like, no, they're having conversations. He thinks she's cute. Like, <laughs> it's it's fine. I mean, that's kind of a thing with the um, with the cute girls doing cute uh, things genre. It's they're kind of devoid of sex in a way, and I, I think they fall into kind of one of the primary categories. Women are often like kind of could be classified in anime as like either pure, as sexual, or as kind of the motherly figure. And cute girls, cute things are often these um, these worlds where men are either completely absent or kind of older or unattractive figures to be. Um, to where they don't, where they're not threatening to the female characters that the audience can invest themselves in. I'm I'm not sure if I would agree. There are certain certainly anime and manga like that. That's mm -hmm. it's true, and it is like the purity thing is definitely something that's very endemic to the cute girls genre. But part of what got me into anime, and part of what I still really like about anime, is the variety of female characters. I've just been watching Crest of the Stars and uh, Lafiel is an amazing female character. She's intelligent. She's strong. She's a little bit arrogant. She, she can be insecure and make mistakes because she's 16 years old. But she like, you know, and she's never sexualized. There's no fan service of her. And there's a lot of series like that. Before that, I watched Birdie the Mighty and mm. Carried by the Wind. And these aren't shoujo series. But they've got these amazing female characters um, as their leads. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't think that anime, and I'm, I'm naming older series here because uh, I'm going through my physical media collection, <laughs> <laughs> um, watching all the stuff that I never got around to watch. You know, I'm looking forward to watching um, Dirty Pair soon, and oh, yeah. like they've got, you know, they've got these skimpy outfits, but. As far as I can tell from what I've seen, Kate and Yuri are super fun, interesting characters. You know, Mason Okoku is one of the best love stories of all time. I mean, there is a lot of crap with like very basic writing. There's a lot of harem series. There's a lot of moe series. There's a lot of cute girls series. But I don't want to say that it's even most anime. At least not the stuff that's going to stand the test of time. I mean, yeah. yeah, I was mostly just referring to the actual the genre of cute girls doing cute okay, things. Okay, sorry. But you're absolutely correct in everything you've said. There's so much good stuff that's just sometimes overlooked. A lot of the anime fandom at large. It's... Yeah, and I mean, there was this moe boom, like, in the early to mid-aughts. Um, that was very, like, yeah, mid-aughts was a really dark time yeah. for anime. Like, that was when, the, like, the big Moe boom was. Damn you, Haruhi. <laughs> there was literally an anime called Moe. Yeah, like, and that was kind of, like, the otakufication of 
anime and now like we have like the isekai series like the male fantasy isekai series i just sort of try to ignore those series and move (laughs) on like i do my season i do my seasonal obligations i'll watch the first episode i'll write about it and i just and then and then i move on you know and try to focus on either series that i like or series that frustrate me in more interesting ways <laughs> i have to confess i'm the same way i've i've written off isekai just entirely but when it comes to like um these sorts of well i, I generally use the term hobby anime rather than cute girls doing cute things i still mm-hmm. find myself um drawn into them just because i like to learn about something new every time it's like well i don't actually care about twin car racing but i'll watch two car and i'll see what it's about and at the end i'll forget <laughs> about twin car racing <laughs> Uh, and sometimes you'll be surprised i wasn't very surprised by two car like i was i was i was surprised like two years ago when i watched euro camp and i just absolutely fell in love with the series it was so good the um and the staff behind your um laid back camp have actually talked about how like Mm -hmm. they did want to avoid making it too moe and i feel like the term cute girls doing cute things anime is another like another thing that's kind of starting to get over applied. Like yeah. I've mm. gotten into arguments about whether um, a place further than the universe is a cute girls doing cute things anime. I'm like, no, going to Antarctica is not cute. They established that it's not cute. Like it's, 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 it feels very reductive to program to slot everything that is about, cute girls and anime girls are generally cute like that's just how it is but everything that's about girls into this one genre i find Mm -hmm. it very reductive and like kind of reduces that like not just like reductive in a genre sense but like in terms of like what these characters are accomplishing i mean yeah this categorization is kind of what we talked about before already a little bit and the clear separation of these are things that are shown and these are things that are showed you. These are cute girls mm-hmm. doing cute things kind of goes back to, I think the, um, Otaku is a da- uh, the author is the database animal paper in a way where you said it's, it's not about the anime themselves. It's about categorizing a database of, um, of things that happen in these things, Ian, because it wasn't that one of the um, points they made. Right. Um, like this is the sort of, when we think about, moe in like the classical sense it's like this thing is moe because it has a maid outfit and uh like neko maybe or whatever and the fact that you've assembled all these parts is what gives the reaction of moe and it's it's less about the the shows themselves than about the things that the categories that they refer to Hmm. i don't know if that's even really useful in what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) it's very post it's very postmodern Mm. I mean, yes. <laughs> um, we've we've talked a lot about the anime, but I I kind of want to like shift to talking about the fandom a little bit, if that's okay. Sure. I don't think there's ever like a good time to talk about it. Like, I feel like whenever we got someone on, there would be some incident. I think the most recent one is the um, how can you call yourself an anime fan if you've not watched the big three? <laughs> <laughs> And well, I mean, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched the big three insofar as um, Shonen Fighting series, but like, I'm, I, I, it's hard to say that I'm not an anime fan when, <laughs> like, I've watched a ton of Astro Boy. <laughs> Does that not count for something? But I, I, I'm curious as to when anime became so male, because I think if I go back to maybe like even the mid aughts, at least in the West, if I went into a bookstore, more than half the manga that would have been available to me would be targeted at, at women this was like when like loveless and stuff were coming out 
but I, I definitely feel that during the mid-aughts, if you'd said to me, Ian, who watches anime, I would have said, well, it's primarily like the art club people and most of them are girls. Do you think a shift has happened towards advertising more male-centric shows rather than the female-centric ones? Um... I think that's a no. <laughs> well, no, I think it, it is. I think it's complicated because anime fandom is at parody and it has yeah. been at parody for a long time. I think with the advent of streaming services, part of it is that I think the way that anime ha- is licensed and marketed and delivered has changed dramatically. And I think that has a lot to do with what has changed. I also think that there are more series coming out from other uh, other countries, including the U.S., um, that ha- are more interesting and complex series for young women, mm-hmm. um, which is was a lot of the draw for of anime for me. Um, I think digital distribution of manga has changed because a lot of shoujo starts and Jose starts off being distributed digitally. But the thing is that like. You know, these they're not these tidy categories. A lot of it does boil down to the old problem that girls will watch things aimed at boys, but boys won't watch things aimed at girls because girls are gross and have cooties. <laughs> terrible because um, there's so many good shoujo manga. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a shonen manga, not a shoujo manga. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah that was my bad. That was the wrong thing. Um, and that's another thing is that a lot of stuff that is shonen because it's not shonen jump because it's not you know battle shonen Mm -hmm. does get miscategorized like i'm looking at my shelf it's like ancient mages bride is shonen Mm -hmm. Mm horimiya is shonen complex age is seinen um bride story is seinen the demographics are not just are not as simple one of the factors is that shoujo as a whole has become a lot more limited a lot more focus on school romance. You know, a series like Fushigi Yugi, things like that are rarities in shoujo these days. Mm-hmm. And when I was, you know, a preteen, shoujo isekai was everywhere. Um, and now it's like, and yes, relationships were important in that, but like now everything is so primarily focused on relationships, at least what's coming out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of another thing is that because of how, companies get this instant feedback now with what anime are popular and what anime are successful. Um, And I have a friend who works at Crunchyroll who, you know, he's a producer. They pick the big shows to market and the shows that are guaranteed hits are, you know, they're going to be the battle shonen. They're going to be the isekai because that's what people think of anime as. So this more like female driven stuff and shoujo anime is super rare these days. They almost never animate it. A lot of it is shoujo is made into live action dramas these days mm-hmm. instead of anime which i think is a shame i think the last big shoujo to get its adaptation was probably fruits basket yeah fruits basket uh is the big one and first i mean fruits basket is is huge it's like big crossover hit mm-hmm. um showa genroku rakugo shinju um kageki shoujo is another weird case that it started in a shonen magazine and now but then that magazine got canceled and it moved into a Jose magazine. Um, but that's getting an anime soon. But like they're f- relatively rare and they're few and far between. And so when you get stuff like Shogun Roku Rakugo Shinju, like A, it's a much slower, more cerebral series. So it's not going to attract people as easily as, you know, 
big punchy fight action. It's something <laughs> that's very steeped, very steeped in Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is that's just not what a lot of people think of anime as. Um, you know, the people who get into anime for certain reasons, like the for the most obvious reasons, that's not what they're watching it for. Mm. Um, which, like, you know, no judgment. Of course, like you watch whatever anime you like, but I think that is a lot of it. Anime has like a certain kind of association and that is the stuff that is aimed at boys. Hmm. It's funny even just how um, you you mentioned um, the transition from like a a shonen to a shoujo magazine. But I noticed something sort of different with Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which is that like I think back in like 2008, I, I generally associate that as being like, aimed at women readers i guess the the people i knew read read that were women and then it's became such a behemoth that it's just like well it's the one that i can't get people to shut up about <laughs> <laughs> um i have a friend who's like a super big og jojo's fan like she's been into it for a really long time not since it started because the series is as old as she is <laughs> yeah so it's, it's older than me <laughs> but apparently like I don't know if your experience is the common one because apparently yeah. she's gotten like she, she has she likes a lot of the like quote unquote manly anime. She likes Jojo. She likes Fist of the North Star. She likes Legend of Galactic Heroes and Gundam. And a lot of guys do not believe that she likes them and that she's just doing it for clout or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit surprised by by like that particular claim but it seems to be a common one like um like the megan the stallion uh incident springs to mind that that blew up oh, several months ago women just don't understand the complexity of shonen manga guys <laughs> <laughs> but it's so complicated it's guy punches guy and then he wins with the power of friendship <sighs> women could never understand that I'm not sure what clout people think they're getting from this. <laughs> I, I feel I like that's know. just a general male gatekeeping thing that we often see in these online communities that form, where, as you said, it's, ooh, girl cooties and social awkwardness inside. Everything is just mixed together to preserve it as it is. I never feel like I've gotten, like, social capital or uh, positive male attention for being an anime fan. Mm. For one thing, mm. historically, my friends who I got into anime with were all girls. I've, I've never felt like liking anime has gotten me positive male mm. attention. Yeah. Um, it has gotten me a lot of negative male attention because of how I talk about it and talk about it specifically through a feminist lens. Um, a lot of guys don't care for that. I've gotten po- like co- positive social capital, which means people liking me by talking about it in an intelligent way, which got people's attention. And I was able to make friends um, and make connections. But like being a girl who likes anime has never really like conferred uh, power onto me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it reminds me of the recent thing with the uh, people being like, where are all the female weebs? Oh, God. I got a popular tweet off of that one. Why are fans just the worst? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, yeah. And well, here's the thing if you're a guy who likes anime and you don't know any female fans, it's because you're making it a place that is not comfortable for female fans. Lots of women like anime. But if you're out here talking about how cosplayers are all bitches and don't know 
the thing that they're cosplaying from half the time, then you're not going to have girls want to be around you. It's like Ed going back to that whole fantasy of the female character who's like, I'm going to teach you how to be a person. Mm -hmm. I wonder if like now would be like a good time to move on talking about like women in the anime industry. Okay. Do you think that like the that um when i mean i'm i'm not sure how much you have like of an inside knowledge or, or anything i know you've like interviewed various people like uh, sayo yamamoto mm -hmm. like do you think that the anime industry is doing enough to sort of retain its females uh, aside from like these few big names you say that like they're doing anything <laughs> <laughs> i think i figured it was more positive if i phrased it that way rather than do you think <laughs> but yes yes <laughs> no not at all because here's the thing most animators are women like people at the lower level of production most of them are women but for whatever reason who knows why they don't get you know directorial roles a lot of character designers are women i i couldn't you know and i mean i couldn't tell you the exact reason why most like most of them don't talk about it i had a nice conversation with Young Choi, who is Korean, and that's a much more a culture that's much more open about a much more straight, like straightforward communication style mm -hmm. than Japan. Um, and she's like, you know, it's really interesting because I've thought a lot about this, and like, you know, a lot of the time, like there are opportunities, but for other, but for some reason, like women aren't taking them, and that pro a lot of that probably has to do with like, you know work-life balance or like the how people respond to women in you know in these roles um that sort of stuff unfortunately like science star didn't approve any of the interviews from that convention Shame. i'm not there i couldn't say for sure and because of like because of how japanese entertainment press works because of how like people don't want to be open about that sort of stuff lest they get it harm their career mm. um i don't know if i'll ever know exactly why just another thing the japanese anime industry is terrible at i mean it's it's, it's not just anime industry it's yes everything. yes of, of course uh it, it's kind of a worldwide problem do you, do you think that the uh the the work-life balance is easier for manga authors to <laughs> or is it just that there is enough of a market for shoujo that they're like well we can let women do that i mean it's definitely not better for manga like if a manga author is taking time off for injury or illness chances are that yeah. that is from overwork um i think the barrier for entry is a lot lower um, you don't have to sort of work your way up through the ranks like you do with anime because um, it's not like the work-life balance is good for director or for animators either. To make enough to live on, you have to work an inhuman amount. Look at, looking, at the, looking at the schedules of uh, Japanese manga artists is just, it's inhumane. It's like, oh, you get three hours of sleep every day. All right. Yeah. And then you have oh, to yeah. work. It's 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 incredible how they somehow can still get away with that. But like I I was trying not I was trying to I was I was trying to be like a little coy with it. But I remember watching um I think Urasawa 
like talking with uh, Ayaka, uh, Higashimura. And then I was just watching, well, first of all, how quickly she draws, but like she seems she has to because she has five series. And yes, she has an army of assistants to help her, but she's still, I, I have no idea how she sleeps. Yeah, no. I'm, and I love Akiko Higashimura. She's like, I used to say that if Sayo Yamamoto ever came to a convention in the US, I don't care where it was, I would go. And I did that. So now it's uh, Akiko Higashimura for me. <laughs> Like, I mean, uh, for me, it always goes back to like just how much I enjoyed Princess Jellyfish, but not so, just the manga, so good. but not just the manga, which I mean, it didn't end fantastically, but that's pretty common in manga. But it was always the little uh, lifestyle bits she includes about like her kid that were ju- uh, just adorable. How was meeting Sai Yamamoto? <laughs> uh, amazing. She is super nice. Uh, very reserved. Beautiful. I'm in love with her. Big crush <laughs> on her. She's seem, she seems very like kind of shy, but just a generally very nice person. It was nice at Anime Fest. It seemed like she sort of um, let herself say things that she might not have otherwise. Like at a panel, she they asked who her favorite character was, and she was like, "Oh, I couldn't choose. I love them all equally." <laughs> and then they started to move on to another question, and then she was like, "Actually." Like, Yuri is really special to me because I have been in a similar position. I have had times where I was meeting roadblock after roadblock, and I thought about quitting. But yeah, no, she's really nice. I saw her later, and she waved to me, (laughs) uh, which was great. Um, My friend has a theory that she wears sunglasses all the time because she has beams that shoot out of her eyes that make women gayer. (laughs) <laughs> um, because all of us who interviewed her <laughs> left the interview gayer than we started. Um, no, she's she's really cool. It was it was a really awesome experience. I'm probably closer to Yuri, but I'm definitely Team Victor. I, <laughs> I mean, your icon is Victor, isn't it? Yeah. I remember these the the anime session meetings where you were just busy in the back watching your and eyes while everybody else was watching whatever anime we were actually watching. It was it was Yuna, but like ever, I'm glad people were enjoying. But like Yuna and Ice was on, I had to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Both great series, mm-hmm. but Yuri and Ice was like such a special time. Yeah, I mean. When when we look at just the um of, of like the two famous names of uh, Sari Yamamoto and Ryu Matsumoto, when we, when we just look at their directing lineup, it's all smash heads like Michiko Tohachin, Fujiko Mine, Yuri on Ice. Kyo, okay, Kyoso Giga maybe wasn't the big smash hit, but it's still pretty good. Bloodbath. I mean, it's it's a cult. I would say it's a cult hit. Is yeah. it okay? I, I mean, I yeah. still have to watch it. It's like been on my to watch list for so long. And the two music videos uh, she made, uh, Matsumoto, like uh, Baby I Love You Does and the Pokemon special video, are just so beautiful to look at. Well, she does a lot of openings and endings, too. Mm-hmm. Like the Kakegurui opening. I've never watched Kakegurui, but I've watched <laughs> that opening so many times. <laughs> um, she's, yeah, she's very skilled. She did the pers- original Persona 5 opening. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of the best things. My one of my favorite things about that game. <laughs> it was pretty great, and it's great because like you can see like the figure skating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you definitely can. All right, I think we're coming up uh, on an hour here or so. So one of the last things I wanted to just uh, do is give you like a free space if there's anything you want to talk about a topic 
If you want to just gush about Harimiya for a while, we can do that. If you want to talk about something else. Oh just... gosh, I I mean, not off, not really, not off the top of my head. <laughs> watch Maria the Virgin Witch. That's a really good show that not enough people watched. Watch Planet With. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I guess then, like, what what are your picks for this season? We might as well we might as well ask. Oh, I've got a very long list. Let me see. <laughs> um, I think this is a really strong season. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff coming out that I'm really excited about. Um, for one thing, The Promised Neverland too. Um, Hori Mia, of course. I'm giving So I'm a Spider So What uh, a few episodes. Um, it's one of the ones that I'm most excited about, but I mean, how can you uh, disagree with Aoyuki going, oh, Jesus! She really carried that the first episode, <laughs> just by her vocal performance alone. If I'm going to listen to a spider monologue for 20 minutes, it better be <laughs> voiced by Aoyuki. She's amazing. Mm. Um, I really like Kimono Jihan. That one came out of nowhere for me. Cells that were code black, I'm going to give it a try, but I've heard some stuff about the manga. Skate the Infinity, same director as Free. Mm. Uh, loving it. Yeah, I'm Super high excited. energy, lots of fun. Um, maybe more guys will watch it because it seems like the characters mostly keep their shirts on. <laughs> Around here, we call it Skinfinity. The more I really wish we wouldn't. <laughs> Kiriko uh, Itsumi is another direct female director who I think mm-hmm. is really, really talented. Um, and I want her to get more work. Um, I feel like Banana Fish was a, was a flawed adaptation, but it seemed like she had like the production staff like breathing down the producers breathing down her neck about what she was allowed to change and what she wasn't um so she was seems like she was really limited but yeah like skate the infinity is great um listen you gotta have some shirtless guys because like hiroko utsumi has she said that free was a story about uh friendship swimming and upper bodies (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, she, she is directing her best her best life. Free always um, seems to go down really well amongst like people we know. <laughs> uh, other side picnic. Again, the next thirty seconds are of lower quality as they are recovered audio, but back to normal after that. Uh, you know, cool sci-fi Yuri about college students, not high school students. Um, Two point four three same high school boys volleyball team. Uh, Wonder Egg Priority came out of nowhere. Oh the the timeline is just covered in eggs. It's <laughs> oh, <laughs> a lot of egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm still a fan of the original egg anime. Hi, Bunny Renmei. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they did a great job of like covering up what exactly that show was going to be about. Because, mm-hmm. oh my god. That first, like, Okay, so when I watch anime with my husband, like, we talk a lot through it. We discuss it, like, we're not just ignoring it, but, like, we're, you know, like, talking about what's going mm-hmm. on, making jokes. We were dead silent for all of Wonder Egg Priority. No, did not say a word. I think I made a, a joke about offering an egg in this trying time, but that was it, because it was just incredible what was happening on mm-hmm. the screen. 
That happened to us too, didn't it, Danny? Yeah, yeah. We were we started it. We were like we we'd been watching a bunch of other things like uh, Back Arrow, where we stopped like five minutes in. Uh, Heaven's Design Team, which was good, but then Wonder Kimono Jihen as well, which was also good. But then Wonder Egg just came out and played by boom. Oh yeah, just so out of nowhere. Um, <sighs> Heaven's Design Team uh, and Back Arrow, I actually both really like. <sighs> Back Arrow has the same director as Code Geass and the writer of Promare, Gurren mm. Lagan, Kill a Kill. So it's, you know, it's going to be wild, real himbo <laughs> hours. I'm debating whether or not to watch more X-Arm. How long can this joke be sustained? I'm glad you brought it up. We're definitely watching that, like me and Freya. are going to watch that week by week because that's, that's just something that has to be seen to be believed. For as long as the novelty holds out anyway. <laughs> yes. It is wild. It is so bizarre, everything that happened with that show. And then finally, Skate Leading Stars. Yeah, I've only seen two episodes of it so far. I'm, I'm really excited, but I have noticed no one has taken their shirt off. I mean, I've only watched the first episode of Skate Leading Stars so far because Preview Guide takes a lot out of you. And it's like, all right, I finished my job watching anime. Now I'm going <laughs> to watch more anime. <laughs> No, not 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 this time. Not right now. Um, yeah, I actually I didn't watch. <laughs> um, I remember uh, following Nick Creamer for years, and he was so happy when he finally got off the preview guide. <laughs> I mean, you make you, you make bank doing it, and honestly, like the camaraderie between like with the preview guide team because we have like daily emails where we talk about like what we're reviewing. The camaraderie is great. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a really tough few days. Yeah. I can imagine when you have to watch the actual terrible things like jobless reincarnation or the various isekai. It's the, the middling series that are the hardest, Hmm. honestly, like this is something you'll hear a lot from people who write about anime, finding something to say, like you know, 300 to 500 words worth of stuff to say about, like, idly pride, <laughs> or Gekidol, or Aichu. There's a lot of idle anime this season. It, it, oh. It's really it's really blown up. Uh, and it's like, okay, I'll watch one of them, maybe. <laughs> okay, well, um, th- thank you for uh, being with us for this. It was, uh, it was great talking with you. Uh, My pleasure. Would you like to like shout out where people can find you on the internet? Sure. Heroinproblem.com hasn't been updated in a while, but it's there. It exists. I keep renewing the domain. So if you <laughs> want to find some of my older stuff, there's some pretty good stuff on there, you know, including the abuse, but not just the abuse in shoujo series. Um, I have some articles there that I'm pretty proud of that I wrote pre-Anifem. Um, animefeminist.com, you know, reviews on Anime News Network. Um, there's not like a particular URL to go to to find my writing on ANN, unfortunately, but it's there. So um, I'm very proud of my Ensemble Stars review <laughs> that came out recently. Yeah, it was, it was very good. <laughs> I don't write for them anymore, but I still have some reviews on the Daily Dot. Twitter, Twitter is all soon underscore no dare. Yeah, that, that pretty much covers it. Thank you very much for joining us again. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. We are the Anime Research Group, a weekly podcast coming out every Thursday, more or less. If you'd like to tell us what you thought of the episode or suggest something for future episodes, 
You can follow us on Twitter at research underscore anime or drop us an email at researchanime at gmail.com. Goodbye. <laughs>